good to have every one of you this morning. Amen. This morning we're talking about um, creation, purpose and creation. We're actually starting a new curriculum this morning, and the curriculum that we're using is now, um, it's tied together with all of the classes here throughout our church, so every age group is teaching basically the same lesson, and what that means is that if you have a child or you have um, somebody else in your household that's in another class this morning, you can, you can talk to them after church and ask them what they learned, and, and hopefully their lesson will be along the same lines that yours is here in this class today. But I want to ask you a question here, and you can help be answered feedback here, but uh, what, is, what is the most beautiful place that you've ever been? What is the most uh, breathtaking, awe-inspiring place that you've ever been? Anybody got a Grand Canyon? Eureka Springs, sure. Oh, Scotland. You got a Colorado, sure. That's that's probably mine. I, I'm not well traveled, but I have been to Colorado a few times. Any other? I'm sorry. Yellowstone. That would be. I've heard that's very neat, very nice. Um, you think about creation. You think about all that God made, everything that God put together, and uh, it's really quite amazing um, what God made. And to you know, uh, you know, I went to Africa once for a few days, um, and that was that was interesting. But I think Colorado was more inspiring than going to going to Africa, honestly. But um, Ethan, Lawrence Ethan, asked me a week or two ago, he said, um, he said, and I may not get this right, Lauren, how he said it, but he said something like, now, I, I know God made us, but um, where did God come from? And, you know, who made God? Where did he, and I think that's about the way he asked me that question, who made God? And, and so I was trying to be a good pastor, and, and I just said, uh, well, yeah, that's a good. Ask Grandpa, ask Pappy. I should next time I'll do that one. But uh, um, I said, well, I said, well, I said, I know God has always been around. God will always be around, and He's always been around. I said, but uh, we'll probably just have to wait until we get to heaven and ask Him when we get to heaven. And that was the best answer I could come up with at the time. But those those are big questions, and people ask big questions, people think about things, you know, and it's really, it is kind of hard to wrap our minds around uh, some of the things that we think about, you know, how did we get here, where did we come from, when did it all begin, where did it start, and, and you know, people ask those types of questions, and they've been answering those questions, they've been trying to come up with uh, solutions about how it all began, where we started from, uh, people ask those types of questions, and down through the years, people have been trying to come up with different answers. They, they uh, you know, scientists and people who study that, they say, well, it all started with the Big Bang, a big cosmic explosion. Or they say, well, it started in a, in a pool of slush uh, with a, a single cell organism, and here we are today. And they, the, the Greeks and the Romans in the old ancient times, they came up with their own answers with mythology, and they had the Greek gods and the, the Roman gods. And and, you know, they, they have their own explanations, but 
But Scripture tells us that creation is a result of the command of God, that God spoke it into existence. He said, let it be, and it happened. It, that's how it came into, and when, and when God spoke it, it, was, it, came into, it came into existence. The stars appeared, and he, just, he spoke it. The planets took their place in the solar system, and, and the comets and the meteorites and the planets, everything just fell in, into perfect order. He created the earth. And I've had some time this week to, as I studied this and thought about it, how God created the earth and he put everything just in, in such a way that it allows life to exist. The earth. The earth itself can sustain life because of the way God created it. It's got the right amount of gravity holding us to the planet as it as it rotates on its axis, you know, 1,000 miles an hour there at the equator, and then it's revolving around the sun. There's just the right balance of gravitational pull on the sun, and there's just enough centrifugal force as the planet spins to, to hold it all together. That's fascinating. I mean, to just stop and think about the, the, perf the perfect design that God made it. He put it all in place, and so... For us today, and this, us Christian people, we, we go back to Scripture. We go back to the biblical account of creation. God had a, a purpose in creation. God had a plan for it all. Jimmy, would you mind? Maybe Toby can help you too if he doesn't mind. Um, just pass him out for us, please. But, uh, but God put it all together, didn't he? He organized it. And, and um, it's, it's just... I don't know, it's one of those things you just sit there and if you stop and you think about it, it's just mind-boggling. Everything that the Lord put together, the animals and the, the, the variety here on this earth, they're going to hand out some sheets there that have some verses on it, but Genesis chapter, uh, in fact, the next four lessons I think here are all coming from Genesis. We're going to be talking about the beginnings, but uh, Genesis 1 and 2 contain the, the creation account. So Genesis 1, if you read Genesis 1, it's a day-by-day -day breakdown of creation. And you get what took place on the first day, what took place on the second day, so on and so forth, down through the seventh day when God rested. When you flip the page into Genesis chapter 2, it's like God, God summarizes it and gives us a synopsis of everything that just took place in chapter 1. It's like a recap. And so I want us to read these verses. Do you have an extra one there, Toby? I thought I had one. Go ahead. You got enough? Thanks, sir. So let's read through several of these verses here to get us going. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth, every herb of the field before it grew. And the Lord God 
had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight, good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. And then skipping down to verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto man, unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. They were both naked. The man and his wife were not ashamed. And so, uh, Genesis 1, Genesis 2. And this, this was kind of one of those frustrating things about Scripture. And I hope it's okay to say that. But you've got all of this that God made. And you've got just two chapters that tell it all. And for years, people have been scratching their head wondering, so what about the dinosaurs? What about this? What about that? Where, where, when did this all come into place? And people, are, people wonder and question, and, and all we get is just a few words. I guess we'll just have to wait until we get to heaven, you know, and ask the Lord, what about this? What about that? And uh, that's a good reason to go to heaven. But most all of us, I suppose we could quote Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Uh, and I assume everybody here believes that. Um, but just when God, the Bible says by the word of God, the worlds were framed by the word of God. Let there be, it, it didn't happen because of a cosmic explosion. It was not the evolutionary process. It didn't, have, it didn't come about that way. Um, he just said, let there be, and it happened. Let there be light, and it was created. That's how it came into existence. The, the book of Job says this, that, at the end of, toward the end of the book of Job, God is correcting Job. And he's, and he's telling Job, he said, Job, were you there? When I, Job, I am in control of it all. And he's, he's kind of he's correcting Job and Job's way of thinking. And, and the Lord says to Job, he said, when, when I made the stars, he said, the sons of God, they were shouting. They were rejoicing. It was spectacular what God, how God put it all together. And so, not to get sidetracked here this morning, I think it's important that we, that we as people of God um, not fall into the, the thinking that we came from this evolutionary process. I think we need to understand that we did not come from a cosmic explosion in the, in the universe. Don't, don't buy into that. For, for one, for one, 
it's, it's interesting to me that people who say that we came from evolution or we came from a Big Bang Theory, a lot of them say that they're scientists or they come from a scientific background, but those things alone go against what science is all about. It doesn't even work scientifically to say that, um, that who we are as people today and as individuals, intelligent human beings, most of us intelligent, most of you are taught, anyway, um, that we have, a, we have a, a sophisticated human body. It doesn't work scientifically to say that we came from, from an explosion in space. For one, science will tell you that life has to come from life. Life does not come from nothing. Science has never been able to prove that. They have tried and tried and tried and tried. They have tried to put different things together to try to create life, but science has never been able to create life out of nothing. And so for scientists to turn around and say, yeah, there was this big bang explosion millions, billions of years ago, and here we are today, that's not, that's not intellectually honest for them to say that. And um, so that's not, that's, not how we, that's not how we arrived. That's not how we got here and and then to say well Charles Darwin went to these islands and he did all this investigating and and he discovered and wrote about the origin of species and he started talking about how that we evolved from animals and yada 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 and all that stuff that's not honest either because scientists and and people in in that in that way of thinking you know they talk about the laws of nature. We talk about the law of gravity. We talk about laws. There is a law called the, the law of thermodynamics. And the second law of thermodynamics essentially says that things move from order to disorder. Things move from order, organization, and things, the second law of thermodynamics says things move to disorder. For example, if you just take your car and you park it in your driveway and you don't ever do anything else with your car, you don't wash it, you don't fill it up, you don't maintain it or anything, that car is not going to get better just sitting in your driveway. That car is eventually just going to continue to, to um, uh, get dirty and rust and the engine's going to seize up and, you know, if you just let it sit there for year upon year upon year, that's because things go from order to disorder. Now, that, that's a simple explanation of the law of thermodynamics, but, but that, is, that is a scientific law. So for scientists to say, Yes, we came from this little single-cell organism millions and billions of years ago uh, out of this slush pool or however they try to explain it. And it crawled out of there, it multiplied, and it crawled out of the, the slush pool and grew legs and a brain and eyes, and here we are, human beings, millions of billions. That doesn't make sense at all. It doesn't work scientifically. And so... Um, we, as Christians, we go back to, there's a designer. There's a master builder. God put it all together. It, I'm, you know, it makes more sense to believe this than it does what they teach in a lot of the schools today. It makes a lot more sense to say, yes, there was a God that put it all together. You know, you, you think watches are obviously different now. We, but years ago when they made watches, you know, it had all of these little wheels and and cogs that are working together. Uh, you wind up the watch, and it, it, uh, you know, it's got all these pieces that come together, and and that's how it functions. But evolution, to me, and this is not a rant on evolution today, 
But evolution to me is like saying, well, you just had a box of a bunch of bolts and pieces and junk together and and just through the course of time it all came together and now you have a, a perfectly working watch. That doesn't make sense. Think about the, the, the sophistication of your just your eyeball itself. I've got contacts in, but but my eye was created so that if I looked at Brother Jones, my eye would automatically focus on him. But if I looked down at a piece of paper, my eye was designed the way God designed it, to focus here or to focus there. Even a camera, like one of those, uh, whatever, I don't know what they're called, Nikons or something. If you take a camera, you have to twist the focus. You have to manually do it. But God created your eye so that it would automatically focus on things. It just, it just takes more faith to believe that nonsense than it does this. Amen? God is our creator. He is our, our master builder. When God spoke words of creative force, every command contained divine purpose. Creation was not a cosmic experience, so He could see what eventually would ensue. No extra and unnecessary parts scattered the landscape. Every aspect of creation conjoins in symbiotic relationship. All life forms are complementary. Everything that exists in some way supports other life forms by its existence. There was purpose in creation. God made it on purpose. It's not like when you buy you know, something at the store or online and you have to assemble it. And when you get done putting it together, you've got extra pieces or extra screws or washers or things like that. I know they do that on purpose now, but it's not like you have all this extra stuff laying around just in case you lose a screw or you lose a washer or something like that. When God made creation, he doesn't have like a lot of extra stuff laying around. Oh, I didn't really need that. But I'm going to tell you that when God made the earth, he did it on purpose, just like he wanted it to be. It was on purpose. He designed it just as it is. He's the master designer. And, and I'll tell you something else to think about when you get some time. Don't do it right now. Don't pull your phone out and think about this right now. But, but I was reading this week, and, you know, your body is made up of millions and millions of cells. You've got skin cells and blood cells and all these different kinds. But I was reading, and it said that you can take a single cell that's in your body. And if you were able to take that cell and, and magnify it, 10 square miles. This, this is fascinating. This is, this is incredible to think about. But if you take a single cell and you were able to magnify it 10 square miles, inside that cell there would be so much activity and things going on. They said it, was, it, would, it would be busier than like New York City, all the activity that's going on in a single cell. Things happening on a, on a subatomic level. It is incredible but God knew what he was doing. He made it all. He did it on purpose. It's amazing. Creation is amazing. But God created everything, and this is the point of the lesson. God created everything for people like you and me. We are the focal point of God's creation. Humanity, mankind. We're, the, we're what it's all about. I, I read this. I want to share it with you. 
It's easy to assume that God is too great and mysterious to attend to small matters. But this kind of thinking is distinctly human. We look at the grandeur of heaven, the celestial lights, the staggering distance from here to there, and then project our limitations onto God. We all know what it's like to feel unimportant, but we make a mistake about God when we infer from the grandness of the universe that He too must have better things to do. The truth is, it is not in the vastness of the universe that we see the vastness of God. From a spider's perspective, we humans with our stadiums and our skyscrapers must seem awfully big. Nothing in this universe is truly big. Largeness and smallness are relative terms. A star is big until it's compared to a galaxy. A mountain is big until it's compared to a star. A tree is big until it's compared to a mountain. We cannot determine what God values simply by measuring and comparing magnitudes. God is not great because He is infinitely big. He is great because He is infinitely present. And the exactness of His creation, the attention to matters that might seem unimportant to us, reveals this truth. How vast must the Holy One's attention span be, listen to this, to attend, if you will, to the sparrow's funeral, or make a mathematical recalculation every time a hair falls from the head of one of the eight billion human beings who are alive today. The insignificance we often feel stands in stark contrast to the pride God takes in us, His children. What is man that He is mindful of us? It's hard to say exactly, but God's behavior toward us, His infinite love, the gift of His presence, and the fact that He became a man Himself tells us all we need to know. I think that's what David meant when he wrote Psalms 8. He said, when I consider the heaven, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, what is man that you are mindful of? So can I tell you something here this morning? God wants a relationship with every person. We know God's vast. We know God's grand. God wants a relationship with every single person. That's what it's all about. That's why he created everything. He doesn't want us just to be, he doesn't want me as a pastor just to be busy working for him and wearing all the different hats and doing this and running here and there. God wants me to walk with him. He wants me to sit down and commune with him. He wants every one of us to stop our lives and just talk to him. God wants to have a relationship with, uh, with us. That's, that's why He made everything. That's why He, he put it all together. It's, it's, not just to, it's not just to know about Him. The, the object is not just to come to church on Sunday and Wednesday and open this book and, and break down some scripture and, and, and read about it. It goes beyond that. It's, it's relationship. It's, it's knowing God. Knowing who He is, having a, a, a true walk with Him where we commune with Him to experience God. You know, I, I was thinking about um, like when a crime happens and an investigator comes to a, a crime scene and they begin to look, and, and I, don't, I don't want to be crude or anything, but, but if, if somebody dies at a crime scene and an investigator walks up on that crime scene and they look at things, they start their investigation. They can start looking at the victim and they can start determining some things about that person. They might be able to look at them and say they were about this age and they might 
you might be able to determine where they worked if they have a uniform on and they were about you know uh, this tall or they're this gender they can they can start recording facts about it and 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 they could take that victim and they could take them to the to the medical examiner again I'm not trying to be crude here but a medical examiner is going to open that person up the medical examiner is going to start running some tests and they're going to find out more about that person they're going to say well this person had these chemicals in their body this person ate this kind of food this person had suffered from these kind of uh, physical conditions and and a medical examiner or a private investigator they they're going to be able to tell a lot about that person just by looking and investigating but for them to sit down and say they knew that person they didn't know that person they just know about that person there's a lot of people that have taken this book and they've dissected it and they've learned about God there's theologians and and I've got a bunch of thick books in my office commentaries and different things and and people have they have they have taken apart every scripture in this book every chapter every page people have dissected it but a lot of those people never knew God the object here today and what we're doing here today we're preaching truth we're gonna believe truth we're gonna obey truth but the object today is not just to open this book and dissect it and so we can just expound knowledge about God and his nature the object is to walk with God it's to have a relationship with Him. It's to know Him. It's, you know what God wants out of us? He wants every one of us in the morning when you get up. God wants every one of us to get up in the morning and go find a place to pray and just spend some time and talk to Him. That's what God desires. Is that we'll, that, is that we'll get His Word out and we'll, we'll read a little bit of His Word and we'll listen to Him speak to us. That's what God wants. God wants a relationship with us. Not just so that we can, so we can argue with our, our, you know, our coworkers about Acts two thirty eight or some, something in the Word of the Lord. That's what God wants out of us. For the Norse, David Norse, wrote a great book called Big Ideas. He said life has demonstrated how essential relationships are. Psychologists tell us that the first two years make all the difference. If a baby's cared for, loved, and held, and in all likelihood that baby will have basic trust. Such care and consistency will make all the difference in how the baby comes to see herself in the world and will have an incredible difference upon the choices she will make in the future. Relationships are the foundation and the glue of life. The same is true of God. You simply can't study God as an it in the third person. You have to study God as a thou. In the same way we learn about people being in relationship to them. That's what God wants. There, there's a lot of people I know. There's a lot of people I've connected with. A lot of people I have knowledge of. Brother Dale back here. There's a lot of people he and I are connected to together. And we, we've got common people we know. There's a lot of people, and, and social media has been, has been a, uh, a way that we've been able to connect with people all over, friends from the past and things like that. But, but to just actually be able to sit down and say, you know somebody there's not very many people I just really know because there's really not very many people I actually just sit down and talk to and have a conversation with them that's how we get to know somebody as we talk to them and, we, and that's the that's the purpose of creation and so 
our verse here said in verse 7, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This, this is the difference. This, this, this right here, that, those verses are the difference in us and the animals. We're not animals. We're not, we're not even really, in my mind, we're not a part of the animal kingdom. I know, I know biologists and things, well, they like to group us all together and say, well, we're all just part of the animal. We're, we're, we're a step above the animal kingdom. You know, animals, animals, have, animals are smart. Animals have intellect. Animals can learn things. And yeah, animals have emotions, and we do too, all that stuff. But God created humanity on a different level. Um, think, think about technology. Animals are not developing technology. I don't know any animals that could make one of these things here. God created humanity on a different level, but also so that we would have a relationship with him. He said that he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. God put in man a spiritual core, a living soul. Animals were simply spoken into existence. He just said, let there be. But with man, God, and I know this is figurative speaking, but God took his finger and he formed in the dust of the ground. God formed man. He didn't just say, let there be a man. God formed man. So we're on a different level. God created us in his image, fearfully and wonderfully made. So we're not like an animal. It's interesting that there are some people that are more interested in animals than they are with people. More interested in animals than they are babies in the womb. Amen. God created everything for purpose. And this is what we're talking about here, purpose and creation. And, and I got to thinking here. I hope this is a good illustration. But... Uh, God created every, all the animals, all the trees, all the, the mountains and everything like that to help us see him. And in a way, creation, not people, but creation, it's like, it's like they're a matchmaker, a matchmaker. And they're trying to connect us with God. So you ever, you, you've probably all been around a matchmaker, right? You know, somebody that says, She's pretty cute. I kind of wish my wife was in here right now. But, but, you know, a matchmaker says, hey, bro, you need to go talk to her. I don't know if that, I'm glad you guys are here. But, you know, a matchmaker, I, they say, hey, you need, to, you need to get to know that person. And, and all of a sudden, your friend, he looks at her, he may have never noticed her before. Hey, she's kind of cute. I wonder what her name is. I need to get to know her. And all of a sudden, that matchmaker is, is pointing, pointing his friend in that direction, trying to get them to have a, a get to know each other and, and a, you know, that type of a deal. I kind of look at creation as a matchmaker. So God created the mountains, and he created the stars, and he created the planets, and he he made all this beautiful stuff so that it would point to the creator. 
telling people like you and me, you need to fall in love with the Creator. You need to fall, you need to look heavenward. You need to look because He created all that so we would look toward Him and so we would have a relationship with Him and fall in love with Him. The Bible says this, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. It's like those mountains in Colorado are saying, look to God. There is a master creator. This stuff didn't just happen. This stuff didn't just come about. But God created it all. Isaiah 55 and 12 says, The trees of the field, I like this verse, The trees of the field shall clap their hands. Wow, there's a math. Some people fall in love with the matchmaker. Some people fall in love with the creation. Some people get all wrapped up in, in the creation and they forget about the creator. That's what Romans chapter 1 says. Romans chapter 1 says they, they worship and serve the creation more than the creator. But God put it all together to point us to him. That was the purpose in creation. And so God said, let there be light. Day after day, he added the water and the atmosphere, put the sun, the moon, the stars in the place, created the animals and the water, and then the cattle, the cattle and the animals on the earth. But the masterpiece or the culmination of his creation was Adam and mankind. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. He rested on the seventh day from all that he had made. Amen. Last year, my cousin, uh, Greg, uh, he stopped by to see us for a day or so, Greg and Krista. And they had found out, Greg and Krista, um, they live in Texas, but they found out that they were going to have twins. And uh, they already had two kids. They had a, 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 their firstborn was a boy, Rhett. And then they had a little girl, um, I think her name was Kensington or something like that. I, sh I should know that, but anyway. So Greg and Chris already had two kids, and they found out they were pregnant with twins, and they stopped by, and we visited for a while and ate and had a good time, and they went on. Earlier this year, though, um, they realized something was not right with the twins. They were due, I think, in May or June or something, but, um, but Krista went into labor, and um, they delivered the twins. One of the twins did not survive, but one of the twins did. And they named her Remy, born severely um, with a lot of severe challenges, way premature, very underdeveloped. And just I, I've only seen, I think, one picture of Remy since she was born. Um, but has all of these challenges going on about her. Greg told me this week, he said, um, Greg said that, well, she spent the first couple of months in the hospital, and they finally got to bring her home. Chris is a nurse, and so they've been just caring for Remy at home, but a lot of challenges. But Greg told me this week, he said that Remy's going to have her first major surgery at the end of September, hopefully to open up a passageway so she can breathe on her own and start progressing. It's just, it's been a, a very difficult time, very struggle, hard struggle for them with Remy, and, uh, and I, I honestly, I, I don't know the overall prognosis of, of Remy and, and what the future, I, I kind of feel like that if the Lord doesn't intervene, 
um, Remy's not going to live a full life. Um, she's, she's only, and I, I'm not trying to play on anybody's emotions, but she's only got part of one arm and just severely underdeveloped. But, but I thought about Greg and Kristen. Wonderful people, love God. And every time they get to go over to where Remy's at and they get to talk to their child, and every time they get to pick up Remy and all of her physical challenges and all of the issues that she's having, they think she's ours. We love this child. And if you talk to Greg and Kristen, they, you know this is their baby. You know that they love her. Even though she's not perfect, and even though she's got all these issues and, and the future is not very bright, they love her because she belongs to them. And I thought, you know what? God created people. and We messed up and we sinned and we fell. We've got imperfections and we've got issues and we've got things going on in our lives and we, we, we get all messed up in life. But I feel like that every time we get to talk to God. He says, I love you. You're my child. I care about you. God wants to be close to us. See, God created everything so we would have a relationship with him. Not just so that we would learn about him and try to acquire and accumulate facts all about the Lord. But it is about relationship. You say, well, I've got this issue, and I've got this problem, and I've got this thing going on. God still loves you. God still cares about you. But, but, but I struggle with this. God still loves you. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. And so that's why God made us. That's why God created us so we would be a worshiper of him. Amen. You love the Lord today? Our time is up. Why don't you stand with me one more time as we get ready to take a break? Would you lift your hands with me and let's honor the Lord. Let's thank the Lord for his blessings in our life. God, we worship you this morning. So thankful, Lord, for your hand of, that is upon each one of us in our lives. We thank you, Lord, today that we can walk with you, that we, O oh Lord, have an opportunity to have a relationship with you and I pray, Lord, there would be a constant prompting and a constant reminder, O oh Lord, that you are near us, that you, Lord, have not abandoned us, but, the Lord, that you desire to know us in greater ways. I pray blessing, Lord, upon our class this morning. Ask God for your continued wisdom.